We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game... This year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Uh, first want to say, Nick, our thoughts, well wishes, prayers, and uh, heaps of condolences to uh, Joe Harris, his family, um, on the passing of his mother. We sort of alluded to it a little bit on the buzz, but um, all that matters is that Joe and his family uh, have support during this time of grief, and uh, we're sending our love here from the buzz and all the buzz listeners. 100% Jack obviously things are way bigger than basketball we had kind of some clues about Joe's situation and nothing but condolences for him and his family to get through this tough time uh, we did have a game today as well it, it was also more bad news the Nets lost 150-122 you know ending their 2019-20 season being swept by the Raptors before we get into that game and some other topics as always you can find us on iTunes Google Play Spotify OTGBasketball.com and Blue Wire Pods but Jack where do we start with this one uh, we'll get to, we'll just touch on the game, I guess, Nick. It's um, we expected a, a sweep after the Joe Harris departure, and we got a, a pretty emphatic sweep from the Toronto Raptors. A bit of a statement yeah. from them, but at the end of the day, the Nets were the first team swept, yeah, because we weren't playing at one thirty for one. So uh, <laughs> there's uh, some positive to take away from it. But 
Uh, I think, you know, we got basically what we expected. Carol Savert again performing and the, uh, again uh, scoring a 30-point th- game on the Toronto Raptors, the last person to do it, the last player to do that. Uh, Jared Allen, you know, finding his way a little bit more, still rebounding the ball, getting a, a couple of field goal attempts back up. But other than that, Nick, uh, not a hate to say about this performance. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, I thought it was pretty disappointing, to be honest. With Kyle Lowry getting injured and coming out of the game in the first or early second quarter, Fred Van Vliet getting in foul trouble, I thought, hey, this is a game maybe the Nets can't win, but they could kind of keep it close and look competitive in their you know final game of the season. But that just wasn't the case. Defense was atrocious in this game. You know, allowing the Raptors to score 150 points is just kind of ridiculous. And I know like a lot of it was still the bench guys, but you just want to see a better effort from your team in the final game of the season. So I think that could probably leave a sour taste in the mouth of Sean Marks for, you know, some of the players on the team and even Jock Vaughn for a little bit. And I'm not saying that's fair, but that's just human nature with recency bias. Recency bias, indeed, 100 points from the Raptors bench, which is just... Something else, you know, Kyle Lowry had that early injury. He, he went out and then the, I mean, we've talked, we've raved about the, the Toronto Raptors depth and what we want the, the Nets to have for next season going forward. But Nick, in terms of uh, any specific plays that you wanted to sort of single out, I mean, we could talk about, I mean, let's touch on Kyle Savert, you know, 35 points, 11 to 23 from the field, six of nine from three, getting to the line, hitting seven of his 10 free throws, six assists, six boards, including three offensive and two steals. I mean, there's not much more Carol Sever can do, and there's not much more he could have done in the bubble. He was a, he was an A plus. Yeah, no, he did a really great job, and we saw him kind of take his game to that next level. And he didn't even play in, you know, most of the third quarter and the fourth quarter. So like his numbers could have even probably been a little bit nicer this game. So you're happy to see that effort from your best player, but then I think you just kind of look at some of the other guys, and it really disappoints you. But let's stay on Karras just for a second. I thought it was a nice combination of pull up threes and catch and shoot threes after having such a disappointing shooting performance most of the bubble. It's nice to see him end in the last two games on a positive note. Yeah, in terms of his three-point shooting tonight, Nick, we touched on it a little bit in, in the last episode. What did you see from him that sort of stuck out? Was it you know, different mechanics? confidence yep yeah just right from the start he just looked a little bit more confident taking the threes and i thought at different points in the series he was very hesitant and almost kind of just did it as a last resort and you know there was times in this game where he really didn't have much of any other options because i want to say he was on the floor with like rodeons musa tlc and christioza and the defense was giving those guys almost no respect so you had again you know four raptors with their feet in the paint and still one guy guarding lavert at one point they threw a box and one at karis because he was starting to like find his rhythm still able to score set up some guys but I would love to see his potential assist for this game because it felt like the Nets missed more wide-open threes tonight than they have almost in the previous three games. Yeah, I mean, their field goal percentage was 40.2% and 38% from three. So, I mean, the 38% from three is nice, but the the overall field goal, you know, the, the potential assist, you know, we've seen numbers like that. Um, I think John Schum was has been putting out some some quality content related to this Nets-Raptors series. But, yeah, Karis Levert, you know, the Stan Van Gundy on the, the national sort of TV uh, show was sort of talking about, you know, him coming off the bench, him being a Lou Williams type. We've spoken about the, the role going forward and, the fact that he overlaps with Spencer Dinwiddie. Did, I mean, does the three-point shooting, Nick, of late fill you with any sort of confidence of, of him as an off-ball performer, or is he going to continue to need the ball in his hands to create his own shot? Um, again, these are two games, the apple sizes, and we've now seen that improved three-point shot. I know that the last time we had Matt on the show, we were talking about, you know, 28%, 25%, something like that. But these last couple of games, he's putting it up and he's hitting them. 
Yeah, I think, you know, it gives you a little confidence because I don't think there was a point where I, at least for me personally, like, I don't think Levert can't get there. Like, I think he can. It's just going to take work. He's not there at the moment, but there is the possibility for him to turn into at least an average three-point shooter and just be able to stay on the floor and provide something. And even just getting a little bit better with his decision-making and going a little bit quicker. And I think at certain points in this game, he realized like, hey, if I sit and take that extra second and ball stop, like the Raptors are going to be able to sit up their defense. And I think that's something that bodes well for next year's playing team playing with Kyrie and KD because you'll still have opportunities out of the ball in your hands. It's going to be more on like a secondary action where you need to react fast and not stop the ball. Yeah, I'd be surprised if Karras has taken 23 shots in a game with, yeah. with those two. And obviously, we will likely see uh, probably extra performances uh, from him and, and Spencer because, you know, the injury-prone nature of, of a guy like Kyrie Irving, I can't remember the last time, I think we've spoken about it before. He's played 70 games uh, in a regular season. Kevin Durant's coming off the, the worst injury uh, you can as a basketball player. So, you know, Karras now has some momentum heading into the offseason. Whenever the next season does kick into gear, we know Spencer Dimwini is getting fit. He was on the, the fringes of, of getting back. So, I mean, the team makeup, uh, the roster... You know, the coaching search, you know, we're going to be reporting all of this and we'll be diving deep into it right now. It's all, I guess, a little bit speculative. But, now, Jared Allen, um, do you think that the product of his, I guess, lack of offensive performance in this series was due to the Toronto Raptors uh, and their sort of the, the style of defense that Nick Nurse and the players were implementing? Or was it more what you were sort of saying and the, the lack of confidence that he has in his own abilities? Because, uh, you know, uh, we know how good he is. We, I just don't think that he does, like you sort of said. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think after Joe Harris left the bubble, you know, it was just a lot easier to come down on those screens and give more attention to that. And it was like, hey, if TLC, Garrett Temple, Tyler Johnson, Chris Gioza, John Musa, Rodions, like if those guys want to beat us, we'll live with it. But we're not going to let Jared Allen catch these easy hoops. So I felt like, you know, some of it was the Raptors adjusting and taking away the best part of his game and a part of his game that's a little bit harder to take away when you actually have, you know, high-level NBA players on the floor. And I'm not trying to disrespect the guys in the bubble. They played hard. They did what they did. But this is not a playoff-level roster. So I think Jared Allen would have had more success given if there was real pieces on this team. But I also think some of it's on him, like you said, Jack, and I tweeted out during the game. Like I think he can be more aggressive because there was a couple nice shots he had that were contested in the paint. And I don't think he realizes like how long and athletic he is where it's going to be tough for guys to block a shot unless it's a Rudy Gobert, given his stature and his athleticism. Yeah, good point. Really, really good point. As of uh, Melbourne time, Monday, August 22 at 11.22 a.m., Nick, Jared Allen or DeAndre Jordan, Would you prefer? who would you prefer to start alongside the superstar duo in the 2020-2021 season? Uh, I'll tell you this, Jack. I don't even care who starts. I would prefer for Jared Allen to close, though. Because okay. I just think he's just more switchable. You know, obviously different situations, you're going to want a little bit more toughness than a DeAndre. If, you know, you're matching up with a Joel Embiid or just a big front line. Having that and DeAndre might help. But I think Jared Allen has shown enough. He had some good reps on Siakam and getting more reps in that area too. And I think he allows you to switch. And that's been something that, you know, we've heard KD and Kyrie talk about wanting to do. And I just feel a lot more comfortable with Jared Allen in space in comparison to DeAndre Jordan. It's, it's a fair point. And we, and we know it feels like eons ago that we had DeAndre Jordan on the floor but you know he was the reason why he was starting was because the earlier point of the season we didn't see this version of Jared Allen in yep. terms of the confidence the offensive and defensive rebounding the the, the playmaking I guess a little bit that the passing in the short role and the confidence you know obviously it wasn't the utmost confidence that we know that Jared Allen can and should have but you know he certainly improved and you know his defense is is certainly uh his his major strong suit now, real training camp battle 
It's going to be like a real, like, I think going in, I don't think the coach can make the decision. As much as Kyrie and Katie probably want DeAndre to start, or even if he does, like, if Jared Allen's still on the team, he should probably be getting the starter minutes or the larger load of the minutes, just given what he can do. And then even if, like, you think DeAndre is better or he's better in the postseason, you kind of want to load manage him because he's a big guy getting up there in age and who's dealt with, you know, ankle sprains in the past. Yeah, uh, we've said this uh, plenty of times. You know, DeAndre Jordan is in the twilight of his career, and Jared Allen is, you know, pre-peak. So yeah. it's it's opposite ends of their career, and you know, Jared Allen would benefit from more time, and DeAndre Jordan would benefit from from more load management in that sort of respect. And you know, I, I think both of them can provide value, and to have them as a center rotation. You know, if we had DeAndre Jordan. Uh, down here, here in Orlando, you know, I think that it would have made things uh, very, very different. You know, maybe not very, very different, but, you know. No, the, I think it would, of... Jack. I mean, like, no disrespect to Rodion's. Like, he's just not an NBA-level center. He's never projected to be. So at least having somebody else that you could put in and not have your bench unit just look terrible and just see, like, you know, Pascal Siakam body him in the paint, or I think Rodion's got dunked on, like, three or four times in the series. It's going to be harder to do against a guy like DeAndre Jordan. He's not the most amazing center, but he's still, uh, I would say, above average center uh, yeah i would i would say slightly above average as well yeah if we're going off to the the most recent performances that we saw from him and, and jared allen is certainly above average and you know in 25 minutes eight points 15 rebounds including four offensive ones and a couple of blocks you know he's uh, we'll be certainly d- diving deep into to some of these guys and grading and, and and judging their sort of bubble experiences from the starters to the to the fringe rotation players you know we'll have uh, plenty of content in regarding uh, to that going forward but From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Jason Westland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help you soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefit of using CBD in treatment. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic, but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the U.S., and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover your body, and body balm for targeted relief and sleep temperature to drift into deep night sleep. And now, through Labor Day, Monday, September 17th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire. But until Labor Day, go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE.
Nick, the other guy that I guess is most likely to be in this roster next season uh, is the guy that has the contract, is the, the Prez, uh, Garrett Temple. 32 uh, minutes for him tonight, 4-9 from the field, 10 points, 2-6 from 3, a couple of dimes, 10 points, uh, a block, uh, only had the one turnover. In terms of Garrett Temple's game, was this sort of just like the, the, the ready, steady consistency that we've sort of seen from Garrett Temple? And uh, you know, 2 of 6 is certainly better than 2 of 9, 2 of 10, 2 of 11 that we've seen from him in, in previous games. Yeah, I thought it was just kind of his steady game. And obviously, you know, you just don't want Garrett Temple playing 30 minutes. I think we've talked about this in the past. You know, if he's on next year's team playing 10 to 15 minutes really suits him a lot better. And I think he could even be better in those times because, you know, he is getting up there in age. So just being more well-rested should allow him to play better. But he's just a guy that you can't really count on as a scorer. And that's not his game. It's never really been his game. He's kind of that bench piece that will occasionally give you some scoring bursts. But you don't want to depend on it. That's a, it's a good point. You know, I think that next season, the role for him um, will be even lesser if he is on this team. I probably expect him to be due to the, the relationship that he has with Kyrie Irving. And I thought that he had, he was one of the most, the Nets' most important bubble guys. And I think yeah. the veteran presence, the communication, the leadership, all that sort of stuff that you want out of a, a guy in the sort of locker room. Kyrie Irving and his, his time in Boston. Again, this isn't the this isn't the, the Brooklyn Kyrie Irving, so, but it, he is certainly uh, something and to consider when it comes to the roster makeup. You know, he said in his time in Boston that we need this uh, long term vet, a guy that can provide that blah 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 blah, all those sort of intangible things. Garrett Temple does give you that, so I expect him to be on this roster next season. Um, I'm, I'm assuming the team option uh, will be picked up by the Brooklyn Nets for that uh, four, four and a half, five million. Uh, and it gives uh, the Nets it, a tradable contract going into the season that if they do retain him that like hey this is a guy we have to move somebody at the deadline like five million plus maybe one of our other contracts if we don't trade those guys that seven million you could add a nice bench piece or whatever type of thing you need at that time and i'm not saying temple's a lock to be traded but if you do have the luxury of maybe moving him and then signing you know jamal crawford to a veteran minimum deal to fill that veteran presence in the locker room type thing so there's a lot of different things but like you you brought up jack the relationship he has with Kyrie, we see if that means that he's a lock to be on the team or this is maybe one of the guys who's a little bit more movable in comparison to DeAndre. We shall see indeed. Nick, I know before the bubble experience when the Tyler Johnson Tyler Johnson signing did happen, we were sort of doing like rank the, the guards, Tyler Johnson, Chris Gioza, um, and those sort of guys, Jeremiah Martin. Uh, if we were to sort of go, if I were to throw the three guys out here that we've sort of seen extra time from, they've both had their, they've all three of them have had their moments. Rank these three for me in terms of their likelihood to be on the Brooklyn Nets roster next season. Obviously, this doesn't have to be set in stone. Tyler Johnson, TLC, and Chris Chioza. In terms of your desire, the likelihood, however you want to take this question, out of those three guys, who do you think is going to be a Brooklyn Net in 2020, 2021? Mm, that's a good one, Jack. I think, you know, TLC feels, I don't want to say a lock, but given his contract number and being able to be versatile and still being room for improvement, this wasn't one of his best games today, but I feel like he'll probably be on the team. I don't know if he's going to be in the rotation, but I feel like he's a guy that'll be on the team. I put Tyler Johnson second. You know, he's shown some nice things in this series, some little bit of playmaking, shot making, being a nice complimentary player. And I'd probably put Chris Gioza last. And I think there's some concern about his offense. And then defensively, he'll have some good possessions, but there's only, like I've mentioned in the past, so much he can do at that size and being on a championship team like it's hard to see Chioza get on the floor because that'd be a guy if I'm the opposing team just like hey I'm just going to attack him every possession so uh, go ahead Jack I was just going to say the ranking that you gave them is that also the value that you think they'll provide if you have Tyler Johnson and TLC on the same contract you know is it uh, and I force you to pick one who would you prefer out of those sort of two obviously 
slightly different skill sets. Um, and I guess I'm, I'm going to, I think I can guess what your answer is having done uh, quite a few podcasts with you, but I'm, I'm still intrigued to hear what you say. Yeah, honestly, Jack, I don't think I know what my answer is. So, if you know, okay. you could probably help me out. Uh, I think a lot of it, like we talked about on the previous show is like, what offseason moves do they make? Like if they add forwards, then, hey, TLC becomes a little bit more expandable, uh, expendable. And then the same thing for Tyler Johnson. If the guards are still on the team and you have Kyrie Irving, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis Avert, Joe Harris, Garrett Temple, and then like, oh, maybe it's not Tyler Johnson. So I, ah, oh man, this is tough. I think like if, for me, it really depends. What are you rolling with? Maybe you'll sway my opinion. I mean, the, the the answer I expected you to give is just like, well, who's shooting a three ball better? And to me, it <laughs> seems that Tyler Johnson... And I think it's it's partly because of his experience and his mouse that I think TLC is still finding his way yeah. and solidifying himself as an NBA player, whereas Tyler Johnson is an NBA player. And that's not to say that Tyler Johnson is in a championship rotation for an NBA player, but maybe he's in the rotation during the regular season. You know, a, a guy... Yeah that can provide some minutes, you know, you know, given whatever happens in the age of game season. It's a marathon. And I think that both of them have, you know, little bits of value here and there. Uh, I, I don't think that either of them will get, well, I could probably see a TLC maybe uh, getting a, a little bit of interest, but you know, that like you sort of mentioned, $1.4, $1.7 million, you know, you could, you could do worse, but I think also the Nets should and will prioritize veterans in, in those sort of, uh, spots from 11 to 15 and whether that's a Jamal Crawford Tyler Johnson sort of fits that mold a little bit I still think he has some game in him left Jamal Crawford does a little bit too but I think you know the and obviously you know Wilson Chandler these sort of guys that we've sort of spoken about that have been on the team and guys that are on the fringes as well you know the the sort of and Michael Beasley these sort of different guys it's going to be interesting to see what the makeup of the team is and we can only analyze what we've seen from from guys like TJ TLC and and Chioza by what they've produced in, in the Orlando bubble what they've produced uh, in, in other points of their career and, and I guess the most recent performances so I'll probably go Tyler Johnson just now only because I think that you know the Nets value guards quite highly. I think that also a lot of our guards are quite injury prone. I think Tyler John, at the end of the day, one of the most important skills, if not the most important skill in NBA basketball is shot creation. And Tyler Johnson does that way better than TLC and does it considerably better than Chris Chioza. Chris Chioza can do it. He just can't execute. That's the only thing. Yeah, no, he can. Yeah, Chioza has done a great job making space and getting himself open shots. He just can't hit them. And I'd probably lean with Tyler Johnson too because I think a forward upgrade is so needed on this team because like TLC is still being, you know, improved this year. He's undersized. And I think you brought up a great point too, being on a championship run, like which guy would you be more willing to throw out there in terms of like a playoff game? And like TLC had his first playoff series and there was still a lot of learning moments where I don't think Tyler Johnson Johnson did anything where it's like, oh, that's a terrible mistake. He kind of played at a level that you would expect a player of his caliber to play at. Yeah, it's quite steady. I, yeah. And I think that what, what you need is steady consistency on championship level teams. You don't want these inconsistencies like, oh, what, what's what's Rody doing? What's TLC doing? Um, and I think that those guys haven't necessarily – they're, they're plan C and D. I mean, all of these guys – TLC is probably but, has a better chance of being a next year's team than Rody Ons. Yeah, I mean, both of them are on similar contracts, and unless they're, you know, the in terms of you know, Wilson Chandler has uh, I think solidified himself uh, above 
Rodion on to Kuritz in terms yep. of what he's done. Unfortunately, Rody wasn't able to solidify his claim as sort of a, a power forward guy, maybe even some backup five in the rotation. I think that we saw greater moments from him in the seeding games and, and probably even before that in the, the, the sort of scrimmage games uh, in, in a lot of, rather, lot of respects. Sorry, a little bit tongue-tied there. Uh, I guess, Nick, in, we can go through the Well, the I just game. want to touch on Rodion's real quick, Jack. Just sure. saying, like, looking at him and it just felt like maybe this year was almost a wasted opportunity where you wanted to see him the entire year and let him get rotation minutes and know if this is a guy actually worth keeping because a lot of his issues which we've talked about a ton are experience you know he just doesn't have a great feel for the game and what he needs to do and where he can have success and it feels like if maybe he had more time on the floor in his second season he would have been able to improve on those things I don't know how much of that is on Rodion's himself or on Kenny Atkinson wherever it might be I'm not putting blame on one of those guys it just felt like there was a missed opportunity for this year and it's really going to hurt him because I don't think he's going to be on next year's team because they just can't afford to have a guy that's such an unknown and you can't depend on him for anything where he'd be better off in a situation like the Nets were last season where it was a learning experience you know the team's growing they're not in championship mode they're getting to the playoffs and we can afford to lose a couple times that's not the case anymore Katie and Kyrie you don't want anything but an NBA championship I agree. Um, and I think that what Rodion's courts didn't do is, is seize the opportunity. You know, Dorian yeah. Prince was out. Wilson Chandler was out. He had to step up. You know, obviously he was being played out of position in, in some games playing the five, but obviously you just need to relish those opportunities. And, you know, I think that like you sort of said earlier in the season, he probably did earn more opportunities than he was given. You know, he played some good minutes and then and then Kenny sort of threw him out. But uh, I think Jacques Vaughn gave him more than ample opportunity throughout yeah. the seeding games, throughout these playoffs, for him to sort of go, all right, I can play. I'm an NBA player. Uh, I can hit my shots. I can make good decisions. I can play good defense. Uh, and he just didn't. And I mean, it's his second year. So, you know, uh, is, does this discount him as an NBA player going forward? And, you know, absolutely not. But it may discount him as a Brooklyn Neck going forward because uh, the, the goals and the achievements uh, that we are, that this team is striving for, this organization is striving for, Rodion's courts, unfortunately, doesn't fit into that. And, and I think we'll probably dive deep into him, uh, like the other sort of rotation players, a little bit as well, Nick. Was there anything else you need to touch on before I sort of threw some questions at you, Nick, in terms of, you know, we don't necessarily need to touch on like Dante Hall, Lance Thomas, Jeremiah Martin, Justin Anderson, you know, Jana Musa playing 23 minutes and getting to the line 10 times. Um, anything else you wanted to touch on either this game uh, before I sort of throw a few sort of general questions at you about the offseason, I guess the overall bubble experience? Uh, yeah, nothing too much on this game. I mean, credit to the Raptors. You know, they played a good series to beat us. They were the better team. Other than that, I don't think there's much to take away. We've pretty much discussed it in the last, you know, couple of shows, and we're going to get into some of the reviews later on. In saying that, Nick, we had wins over the Bucks, wins over the Clippers, a win over the Clippers, and a Portland game that may have been the best regular season seeding game that we saw out of, out of all of them. What to you was the, the highlight of this uh, Orlando bubble experience for the bubble nets. I mean, it's going to be easy for me, Jack. It's going to be Karis Levert. Like, going into this, it was a really tough situation. He could have helped, it, dealt with it a lot differently, and it could have been a, more of a struggle for him. But it was nice to really see him make progress and adapt on the fly and learning different things and how he can impact the game, where he can score, showcasing that mid-range game, that post-game. And then most importantly, I thought the passing. Like, we knew that he was a capable passer. He showed a different level of passing in some of these games, especially early on in the series in that 15 assist game and even a couple passes tonight so I think like Levert and his growth and showing the ability to adapt and grow and get better in a short period of time is such a huge thing for him maybe not as much for the Nets but for him personally 
I I mean, obviously, it's an easy answer, and it's probably the correct answer. You know, Karras was was absolutely sensational. And, you know, I remember we spoke on pods when we were talking about general NBA people sort of saying, like John Holland just saying, you know, his decision-making in the, in the pick and roll, his decision-making as a pass, as a facilitator, is, you know, below average at best. And we sort of, showed, we sort of saw him just be like, you know what? I know my my feel for the game. I know I can lead this team. And he did it. He We couldn't ask for more. Like I said, A-plus performance from, from Karras as a leader. You know, you could just see that he was trying to will this team. But a guy of his stature, you know, he's not Luka Doncic. He's not Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's not LeBron James. He is a very, very good player, you know, an, an all-star caliber player. He's not a superstar. He's not an, a, a, a real star in this league. And, you know, he can't drag this team, especially when the depth of the rotation is as shallow as it was. So... Uh, a, a massive, massive bubble uh, experience for Karras about He's certainly going to be earning himself. He's going to be making plays on either this team next season or wherever he is, if it's in a trade package or whatever. I will get to that. I will say, Nick, that I was hyped after that Clippers game. Yeah. I think that uh, if you go back to my timeline, you see a few tweets and uh, a few little videos from me and, and we're talking about it in the post game. Uh, on the buzz as well. You listen to my voice and uh, the different stories and wacky takes I was coming up with. That was just a lot of fun. And and I think that, you know, despite the fact that the Nets, the, the most recent thing that we're talking about now is a 28-point loss uh, and, and a sweep to the Toronto Raptors, there were some great moments. And, and I'm glad that we made the playoffs. I'm glad that we were there, that we were throwing upsets left, right, and center. You know, people weren't giving the Nets their credit. I, I liked sort of being that Brooklyn Grit underdog a little bit again. It reminded me of when we were doing pods in 2017-18 and 18-19, uh, the sort of mentality that we, that we as fans were sort of having, it was fun. And, and and those sort of games, those sort of wins, you know, Dante Hall making Giannis angry, all these little moments. And I'd be remiss without mentioning my guy, Joe Harris. Uh, he was absolutely outstanding uh, with a capital A and a capital O. You know, he's Joe Sy, like I've said, get the checkbook out, my guy. I see that the stock's going up for Alibaba. <laughs> I see that the, the billionaires in the world right now, for some reason, are still making more money than all of us combined. So you, you better get into the luxury tax for my guy because he was simply sensational uh, and in terms of what he produced as a perimeter shooter, what he produced when the attention was on him. You know, as the Brooklyn, he was the Brooklyn Nets' second best player in, in the bubble. And I know Jared Allen had some you know, some otherworldly rebounding games. But Joe Harris proved that he could be a second option on a near playoff. Well, this isn't really a playoff team uh, or, but via roster construction. But just imagine what he can do when he has more space. Like, you're looking at what Duncan Robinson's doing for the Miami Heat right now. Joe Harris can do that with his eyes closed. Um, I'm not, I'll give credit where credit's due. Um, I know I obviously have a, a, some certain bias wearing my uh, Joe Harris long tee right now. But, you know, the, the outstanding play on and off the court in terms of everything that Joe Harris did, be it via the, the shaggy headband hair, which was absolutely gorgeous, or those gorgeous threes and drives that he was making. Um, couldn't say enough good things about my guy, Joe Harris. It seems to me like a, a likely answer that I would pick Joe Harris and you would pick Karis LeVert. Yeah, no, I know. Joe deserves a lot of credit because if there was any question, which I don't think there was much, if any, at least for must to, uh, Joe guaranteed he'll be on next year's team. Like the way he played in the bubble, the way he played in the seeding games as being that guy dealing with more attention and still shooting at such a high efficiency. And then even stepping up in what the Raptors, one of the playoff games, having 15 rebounds a game too. Like this is a guy that you just want in your team. He showed some more like pop, I think, as like 
quote unquote a basketball player in terms of like making winning plays, not just the shooting and not just his scoring, but some of the other stuff you saw out there from Joe. And I agree, Jack. Like you couldn't have asked him to play any better given the circumstances. Like if he didn't shoot well, I wouldn't have even been upset given that I knew that teams were going to give him so much attention. But he found a way to still have an impact on the game. So a lot of props to him and the continued growth he's making. Absolutely, absolutely. Nick, um, I want to end with something spicy. Uh, the Nets Twitter is getting crazy with it. <laughs> Joel Embiid's posting cryptic tweets, cryptic Instagram posts. Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, future Brooklyn Nets, Nick? Maybe one of them. It's a possibility. It's way more than it was probably at the beginning of the season or mid-season or whatever, any of the speculation during the you know COVID time when the league was off. But things got really, really bad in Philadelphia, and it's hard to clean things up that quickly. You know, the right thing to do would probably be keep both those guys. But given the front office in the past in Philadelphia, I would not be surprised if one of them became available. And given that Philly still probably wants to contend if they do trade one of those guys, the Nets become a very interesting trade option for them because they can give them not only youngish players, but guys that can allow them to still compete at a high level now, and they're okay with trading away their picks. So. Oh, who do I want? <laughs> yeah, Beatles Simmons. I'll throw the million dollar question at you. It was probably more like, you know, $180 million or something like that. But, and Beatles Simmons, as of this moment right now, Nick, 1142, uh, Monday, uh, August 20 something, 24. I mean, I think like Joel Embiid is the better player right now, but there's still some concern about his health and how he can play and how honestly even he fits in certain playoff scenarios. Like the drop coverage Philadelphia was running against Boston was really detrimental. And it's not like you can ask Embiid to get out on the perimeter. So I'd probably roll with Ben Simmons because it almost gives you like a safety net too is because like, hey, when the Kyrie and Katie time are up or they're getting up there in their career, oh yeah, we still have this guy Ben Simmons in the prime of his career. Oh, man. Uh, getting an Aussie on my favorite team uh, would make me salivate. And I've been a big Ben Simmons stand on this podcast, The Outlet, uh, Just Ball Things NBA podcast. Uh, I'm all about Ben Simmons. And I think that, you know, you could see the value that he provides the Philadelphia 76ers as, you know, just an offensive player. Despite the fact that he doesn't have that three-point shot, he has grown immensely as an offensive player. And he's grown even more immensely as a defensive player, which is what the Nets really need. And, you know, I think Joel Embiid, you know, do you want three injury-prone players on your roster? Uh, it's it's something that I think we'll have to ponder a little bit in terms of, you know, the, the package that you're giving up, the injury-prone nature of having three injury-prone superstars. It's not even the fact that, I mean, Embiid is injury-prone. It's just that he's not healthy. You know, in, in, There's in a conditioning off- question, too conditioning exactly you know it's just does he have the desire does he have the will you know he's just like you know i'm I'm in the best shape of my life and 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 he gets asked you know what's your have you made any diet changes like no not really like my guy how are you in the best shape of your life if you're not like actually changing any habits get on the beyond meat my my guy at least you know maybe he'll get invested with deandre and uh and and kyrie with that with that sort of thing so something we'll consider nick i think that we'll probably get some coaching news soon uh we'll be diving deep into some player reviews and looking ahead trades free agency we got a so, so much content on the buzz. Uh, it's a good team to, to be podcasting about. Yeah, and honestly, everything from this point on is up. Like, we're going to get Katie and Kyrie back, and the next time you see the Nets play, they're going to be a championship contender. Like, even if no changes are made to this roster, they'll still be a legitimate contender. They might not be the favorite, but just adding those two guys and all the talent they have on this team, there's a lot of things that could happen for the Nets. We expect a busy offseason. We do expect changes to make because there is a surplus of talent at certain positions, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And it's fun, too, is because we don't even know when the next year is going to start. 
It's it's. I mean, free agency dates are changing. The the regular season dates are changing. I hope that the the pandemic dies down in for not just for basketball purposes, but for health purposes. And it'd be pretty cool for to go to go and see a game and, and see the number seven suit up for the first time. Um, it's plenty of exciting times ahead. It's it's a good escape this Brooklyn Nets team from uh, the shooting that's happening in the world right now. And uh, there's plenty of things to look forward to on, on this podcast. Uh, 100%. And just a big shout out to everyone who supported us during the 2019-20 season. We know it's been like an uphill battle. It's been super interesting. A lot of injuries not going out of the Nets and Vision. But like I just mentioned, things are going to get a lot better moving forward. And we appreciate any time or consideration you give in this podcast. Subscribe, review, whatever it is. We appreciate it. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams at events. Major League Baseball is back in action. There's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partner, Bet Online. Check out all the odds and prop bets to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline has sat down with former pro athletes Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they have to say on what it's like playing without fans in a series they're calling Pandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.